What's up, freaks? It's your boy, Marty Bent, here to introduce this episode of Tales from the Crypt. I sat back down with Kareem Helmy, now at Galaxy Digital, on their research team. Him and Alex Thorne, two-man show there. Looking for help if you're a researcher. You can reach out to him. He shells it plenty in this episode. But I brought him on because he wrote a piece with Leo Zhang and Jack Kohler from the Nietzsche research team last week called The Intelligent Bitcoin Miner Part 2, in which they put forth a model that miners could use to, to help uh, plan out operations based on future potential price movements and hash rate movements. Really interesting model. We talk uh, about more things beyond that. I think you guys are really going to like it. Brought to you by our good friends at the motherfucking Cash, cash App. The Cash App is here to help you stack sats, stack sats, and sats, sell sats, if you so please. And you can receive sats, too. We're saying sats. Sats, 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 because sats are the standard. Got to defeat that unit bias. It's strong out there, freaks. There's 100 million sats in one Bitcoin. You don't have to buy a whole Bitcoin. You don't have to buy a fraction of a Bitcoin. You can buy whole sats. We're changing it. We're changing it, all right? Sats, sats. Cash App helps you stack sats. You can DCA into sats. You can buy daily, weekly, bi-weekly. I see the Cash App boost is making its way back into the app. You get sats back when you go use your boost card wherever Visa is accepted. Cash App can be your bank account. They're offering account numbers and routing numbers. You can get your paychecks direct deposited into the app. And you can stack sats faster. Excuse me for that burp mid adderall burp that's, that's very impolite to me i'm sorry i tried to hold it in i can, i have a Lacroix here it's it's carbonated maybe stacking more sats will help me with my manners anyway if you haven't downloaded the cash app yet go check it out use the code stacking sats it's s-t-a-c-k-i-n-g-s-a-t-s you're gonna get ten dollars ten dollars is gonna go to our good friends at owls lacrosse that's owls lacrosse we got a crow coming in the background here birds are singing with me on this ad read this rip is also brought to you by good friends at hodl 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 is here to leverage bitcoins and native properties to give you freaks all around the world this product's available to u.s clients as well a lending platform where if you don't want to sell your bitcoin you can go to lend.hodlhodl.com and you can get a bitcoin backed loan in a stable coin so Lend to Hoddle Hoddle is a new non-custodial Bitcoin back lending platform that allows peer-to-peer lending and borrowing between users globally, anonymously, and on your own terms. Again, they're leveraging Bitcoin's native properties. They have a two or three multi-sig escrow. You hold one key. Your counterparty holds one key. And Hoddle Hoddle holds one key. Uh, you always have view of your sats when it's in that multi-sig wallet. You make sure it's not rehypothecated. So if you're short, fun- short funds, you don't want to sell your Bitcoins. You get some liquidity by borrowing. You use your Bitcoin as collateral. And the great thing is, again... You don't need to entrust someone with your funds. It always remains locked in that escrow. If you have some stable coins laying around, you want to earn some interest on those, you can go to the other side of that order book. Uh, Lend at Hoddle Hoddle uh, offers you the ability to put your stable coins up to these Bitcoiners looking to leverage their Bitcoin and get some, maybe not leverage, but use their Bitcoin as collateral to get a loan in stable coins. You put your stable coins up, you get interest back. Create your offers and set your own terms at lend.hoddlehoddle.com. That's lend.hoddlehoddle.com. This rip was also brought to you by our good friends at Compass Mining. Compass Mining is attempting, attempting. They're they're trying. They're making uh, the the path from going from zero to mining at a hosted facility with competitive electricity cost 
easy for the end user, right? So you go to compassmining.io, that's C-O-M-P-A-S-S-M-I-N-I-N-I-N-G, C-O-M-P-A-S-S-M-I-N-I-N-G. I think I added two I-Ns in, in there earlier. Whatever, compassmining.io. You go to the site, you pick your mining model, you buy your miner, Compass acquires that for you. You also pick your hosting facility. Again, competitive rates, you, they're very transparent. You, you see your rate, you pick your miner, you buy your miner. Compass acquires the miner for you. It sends it to that hosting facility, plugs it in, and it starts streaming sats to a wallet of your choice. Beautiful thing. I'm trying to make it easy. They're trying to blow it up. They're trying to get more individuals in the mining game. Really cool product. Go check it out at compassmining.io. Last but not least, this rip was brought to you by our good friends at Brains. Edward Evenson, the cheese monster's coming for you. It's coming for you. But seriously, Brains is an incredible team. They've been helping Bitcoin. They've been putting Bitcoin first for, for years now. They were the first pool ever in Bitcoin, Slush Pool. They're the team behind Slush Pool, as you freaks may know. Uh, in 2017, when they noticed that uh, Bitmain had their Ant Miner, excuse me, their Ant Bleed firmware in their Ant Miners, uh, which was giving Bitmain the ability to brick individual miners remotely, the Brains team stepped in and said, no, no. Users need better firmware. So they built Brains OS Plus, which is uh, firmware offered by uh, the Brains team that uh, individuals can download on their miners to stack more sats. It helps them stack more sats. You get more sats for your hash with Brains OS Plus. <laughs> So they verified also on top of that in 2018, a year later, they verified the S9s could run about 13% more officially with ASIC boost, but the feature wasn't public. So they put it in the firmware. They developed Brains OS again. It's a custom auto-tuning firmware to give miners more control over their ASICs that currently supports S9s, S17s, and T17s. And what's miners coming soon? When, when, what's miner? Ed, crack that whip. This is what I envision Ed Evanson, Evanson, excuse me, Evanson. I, I, I just imagine that's his day in the Czech Republic and the brain's all says, what's minor? Get it out there. They're also working on an open source to shit initiatives. Uh, they're leading Stratum V2, development alongside Matt Corral and Square Crypto. This is a decentralized mining pool, which allows individual miners to construct block templates and add their own transactions to a block, a beautiful thing. It's already implemented on, on Slush Pool and included in Brains OS Plus firmware. They also push out a lot of content for Bitcoiners. Um, ooh, ooh, ooh. We got new stuff in the in the in the ad read stuff that I missed. I'll get to this. I know Brains team. I know you're listening, to Daniel. I'm sorry. I'm just seeing this in the Google Doc we have here. Yeah, it's got the new farm management too. They teamed up with, uh, yeah, we talked about this a couple of reads ago. Daniel, I'm sorry. I'm just seeing this. Wish you would have picked me in Telegram. But yeah, go check it out, Brains. Incredible products, incredible team. Open source stuff. <sighs> Always staying true to Bitcoin. It's a beautiful thing. You love to see it. Brains, B-R-A-I-I-N-S dot com. B-R-A-I-I-N-S dot com. If you want to go check out their new farm manager, go to B-R-A. I-I-M-S dot com slash OS slash plus slash manager. Whew. 
or you can just go to brains.com and click the brains OS plus manager in the top menu. Check it out. Something new they launched a couple weeks ago. Enjoy this right with Kareem. Really good dude. Really smart dude. Pushing the mining industry forward. Take care. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. It's your boy, Marty Bent, here. Back in the Jersey office, back in my father-in-law's bedroom, ready to talk Bitcoin mining, particularly the Intelligent Bitcoin Miner Part 2. Sitting down with Kareem Helmy, now on the Gal Gal Galaxy Digital research team. What's going on, dude? Hey, Marty. How's it going? Good, good man. First time we, we met on this podcast, you were working with Coinmetrics. You've recently made the move to Galaxy, working uh, with le the legendary Alex Thorne on the research team there. How's it feel to be back in New York, working for Galaxy? And what sort of was the impetus for your move from, from Coinmetrics to Galaxy? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely super good to be back. Uh, and it's good to be back on the show. It's been, what, like a year now? So um, yeah, uh, long, long overdue. But um, uh yeah i mean so i joined galaxy because alex reached out um and you know we uh he kind of laid out the vision to me um we're gonna be building the best research team in the industry uh and you know i was down with it um so i joined as the the first hire recently and um you know like alex is the man so it's it's i'm pretty i'm pretty stoked to be out here i'm pretty stoked to be um at galaxy and and really just all around optimistic yeah, I think uh, he's actually going to be a bit, uh, your boss is going to be a bit angry at you because we're trying to coordinate an episode between the two of us ourselves. But uh, I reached out last week, uh, yourself, Leo Zhang, Jack Kohler of the Anitra Research Team dropped part two of the Intelligent Bitcoin Miner series. And I just thought it was an incredible piece, basically detailing how you guys are building out models that could potentially be leveraged by miners to help uh forecast profitability and revenues based off different price and hash rate scenarios uh taking minor hardware the price you paid for that hardware and electricity costs uh into consideration so uh how'd you team up with leo and jack to do this uh because you did you contribute to part one or no no uh part one was all all those guys um but yeah, Leo and I have been friends for a little bit. Um, and, you know, we've, we've been, you know, looking for an excuse to work together. So with my background in data, um, his and mining, you know, we, we just thought this was, this was a really good way to, to pair up and kind of figure something out together. Uh, and I'm pretty stoked. It, it came out pretty good. And um, yeah, looking forward to talking about it a little bit more. Yeah, so let's jump into it. Like for any of the freaks out there who may not have read uh, the piece yet, how would you describe it? What, what were you guys trying to accomplish? I think I'd just tried to give uh, an overview of it, but I think uh, like a more granular detail. What, what were you guys looking to accomplish with this? Yeah, absolutely. Mining is a really complex, you know, multifaceted 
industry, there's, there's just a lot of stuff going on and, and it all interacts with each other in, in weird ways that you wouldn't necessarily expect. Uh, so what we wanted to build was just like the minimum viable tool to model mining uh, from the perspective of a miner who wants to make decisions uh, and how to on how to operate their um, their machines, when to turn things on and off, things like that. We wanted to model that from a global perspective, uh, kind of by piecing together all of the interactions that individual miners are doing, and then we wanted to give the user the ability to, um, you know, play with the variables themselves. You know, we we made a lot of assumptions in this process, and we wanted to to make the user able to to adjust that. Um, so we built out this model um, that lets you see how your mining operation would do under, you know, a variety of different conditions um, based on like agent-based modeling. Uh, and we wrote an article about it and we open sourced everything. So that was the really cool thing, open sourcing the models, uh, which I think is just uh, incredibly generous of you. This is something uh, it seems that a lot more people are getting into mining uh, at the industrial scale, or at least attempting to particularly energy producers as they figure out that their excess energy can be, can be used to mine Bitcoin in a profitable way. Uh, so throwing these models out for the market is actually probably going to be very beneficial for, for people trying to make the case internally at these companies of, and part of making that case presenting the potential profit that could be made and so let's talk about like the agent-based modeling uh, i really like that you you tied in conway's game of life to this and uh, i guess we could jump into like why this particular type of modeling uh in for the bitcoin mining industry and its potential profitability and how uh, accurate may it be in practice Thanks, man. Yeah, Leo's a bona fide poet. Um, so the Conway's game of life, like that was that was all him. Uh, I thought it was really elegant. Um, but so agent-based modeling for kind of anyone in the room um, is a type of simulation where you base uh, the results on the interactions between a bunch of different agents, uh, and those agents make decisions based on you know their environmental circumstances, and it's typically more or less deterministic. So in our case we have some element of randomness, which is just like how we generate prices and how we generate the fee distribution. But then from then on, everything that happens is just a series of decision-making events that's entirely deterministic. Uh, and then we kind of get the aggregate network conditions. So the aggregate network hash rate uh, and you know, like as a result, individual minor profitability, all of that is just built by you know creating the whole from the sum of its parts. Mm -hmm. and yeah so you guys lay it out here like uh basically trying to lay out the conditions that would uh define whether or not a particular miner has to uh, turn off their their machines to remain profitable so they're not mining unprofitably uh the types of machines and so how did you guys acquire the data particularly about the uh specific models and how profitable they may be at any given point in time so we uh, collected data from a few different sources. So, um, you know, with um, with price data, with fee data, stuff like that, we, we got that all from Coinmetrics. Uh, you know, I'm kind of a pro with the API now, having worked there for a little bit. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, we got uh, the rig price data from our friends over at uh, Hashrate Index um, and from general mining research. Uh, you know, they were, they were gracious enough to share some of their data with us as well. Um, and then everything else, like 
honestly, Leo just put in a ton of legwork, like talking to people to kind of get some best guess estimates on some of the variables. So things like shut off times um, uh, and uh, a couple of the other, a couple of the other variables was just like, like, look, we are guessing and we are acknowledging that we're guessing. And that's a big part of why we open sourced it and just let people play with the tool themselves. Cause if you know more than we do, like, like, please use this model and please share the results with everyone else too. Yeah. That's again, like the fact that you guys open source, this is incredible. So like, if you are a miner and you want to leverage this open source model, like how, how would they do so? Like, what are they putting in? Like, are they just putting in their actual cost and then running these models with different hash rate and price simulations running forward? And do you think that would like provide like an actual, like tangible and actionable, uh, like modeling for, for like a business? Yeah. Um, so we tried to make it as easy to use as possible, right? Like it, it models under a few different circumstances kind of with what we had as like our, our you know, like our base case, like bearish, bullish, uh, volatile. Uh, and then, you know, you can just plug and play like what types of machines you want the user miner to, to use. So just put in your electricity cost, uh, what machine type you're running and then calculate from there. You know, it's always hard to gauge how actionable it is, but I, I do think that this is, you know, like a pretty useful tool. Uh, I think if you run this, you know, it might give you some food for thought on like whether the decisions you're making are, you know, the, the right ones and, and whether to like spin up a new operation, whether to scale down a little bit, maybe, you know, if that's the right thing to do. Um, so yeah, that was kind of the perspective we went into this with is like, look, we're making a lot of assumptions. A lot of them are, are straight up guesses, but, um, like by letting people fiddle with it, by letting people put in what they think is going to happen, uh, you know, we'll we'll do the intermediate work on like you put in what you think is going to happen in the world, uh, and we'll let you know if this is a good idea what you were thinking of doing in the first place. <laughs> yeah, like one var- variable that I think is really interesting and in being able to play around with it and run it through models. Uh, can actually lead to some like really good decision making at the individual minor levels, like the reaction days um, to the particular models, like newer models uh, having longer lead times to get to market versus older models and uh, the ability to actually pay for uh, a shipment of miners, get it delivered to you and then plug it in and the difference between those. I totally agree. And we're, we're in like a historical market failure right now with the uh, ASIC supply chains. Um, like there's just clearly so much demand and it is so profitable to run a mining operation. Uh, and, and there's just no, no new ASICs like really being shipped out for months and months. Right. So, um, it's, it's, I think a pretty interesting thing to fiddle with. And, um, yeah, the, the growth rates, the, um, the turn on times, the shutoff times, all of that is, uh, uh, really stuff that like, if you have some information that the market doesn't and you, you plug that in, it, it could be, it could be pretty useful. <laughs> Right. And so, yeah, what do you, let's just talk about this for a little bit, like when the supply crunch at the, at the chip level, what are you, what are you seeing there? Um, any insight? Yeah. Like what, what do you think? Like I'm hearing rumors that micro BT is having a hard time finding foundry space for 2022. Um, and obviously right now there's long lead times for, for the latest generation models, whether it be domain or micro BT. Um, what are you hearing on the ground? Um, you know, yeah, so we're, we're just, you know, we're hearing the, the long lead times as usual. Um, the uh, large buyers, you know, they're kind of soaking up all the supply uh, where, where it's available and even they're struggling to get machines for months and months. Um, and yeah, I mean, like, 
look like basic supply chains and and you know chip supply chains are, are pretty constrained just because there's not a ton of like fab space um and bitcoin miners are really like near the bottom of the barrel there like because because uh uh demand is so volatile and you know like the um the actual manufacturers just like they prefer working with like steady reliable clients um so yeah we're i mean like the whole world is kind of feeling this this fab space shortage uh from autos to computers to everybody but uh bitcoin miners are you know aching a little extra just because um because you know number doesn't always go up yeah hash rate is not a trailing price as it has historically because of the supply crunch and i mean that's another part of the point that leo's been trying to make with his content at anicha right is the the cycles that these markets go through um and it's a very manufacturer um beneficial we're part of we're in that part of the cycle where the, where the manufacturers have all the leverage we're seeing like crazy price per terahash uh invoices at, at great america mining like it, it's going up above a hundred dollars per terahash for for many many people um it'll be interesting to see if that persists and like with that being said like do you think at any point in the next or during this cycle uh well that's like the thing like does the cycle always repeat itself like will bitcoin mining ever uh get more respect at the at the fab level um in the asics will they will they get more um will people make more space at the fab level for them in the future because of uh, sustained Bitcoin price and demand from the mining industry. Yeah. I mean, so as price goes up, these um, ASIC manufacturers will demand more space, right? Like the, the just the, the, the basic order size that they go in for will be bigger. That's a good thing. That, that means like, you know, if I can sell you like a thousand units of something, that's, that's a lot more enticing to me than if I can sell you a hundred of something, even if, you know, your demand is a little bit volatile. The other thing that we're gonna be seeing, hopefully as more institutional buyers come into Bitcoin um, is just uh, uh, dampened, dampened volatility because, um, you know, they have stronger hands than retail. Uh, and as volatility dampens on, on asset prices on Bitcoin, um, we should expect manufacturer uh, volatility of demand for, for ASICs to actually um, dampen as well. Um, because, you know, it, it's all reflexive, it's all intertwined. Um, so I think that's going to be cool, you know, maybe <laughs> it, it's not so great for for miners who already have, um, you know, rigs out because it means there's going to be more competition. But um, if you're looking to spin up a new a new um, mining operation or even like scale, you know, if you're not if you're not comfortably sitting on uh, piles of Bitcoins, uh, it could be really good for you in the future. Yeah. More competition is good. We welcome it at Great American Mining. No, that like we we see it. We see the oil and gas industry having um an inflection point, if you will, around the conversation about Bitcoin and particularly mining with excess gas. And it seems like that industry, which is pretty massive globally, um, wants to move into bitcoin mining uh with authority here and so like just thinking about like demand from that industry on top of the established bitcoin mining industry uh i, I think there could be a scenario in which especially if the price moves up like you said and institutional money comes in and dampens volatility on the on the assets price asset price side um the demand for asics can 
can withstand itself better than it has in the past just because of the amount of new entrants that want to leverage um, basically being able to bring a new liquid market to their their energy assets that that never existed before. No, it's cool. And I think like also we are going to see institutional players start to enter mining. Uh, hopefully that also kind of dampens uh, volatility of demand on, on mining rigs. Um, a big part of the reason for this is just like institutions like working with things that have cash flows and mining operations have cash flows uh, as opposed to just, you know, buying spot Bitcoin doesn't. Um, so I think that's kind of cool. And, and, you know, um, it's a, it's a really exciting time to be in mining. Yeah, for sure. It is it's stressful too. Um, on the, on the supply side. That's why like uh, having tools like yours is extremely beneficial. Like um, how long did it take you to build this model and actually open source it and get it all on GitHub? Yeah. Um, I mean, so the, the, this was something like we were both working part-time on, you know, Leo is spinning up something new and, and really cool and exciting. Uh, I've been, you know, at, at CoinMetrics and kind of, we, we rushed to get this out before I, uh, I got to Galaxy. Uh, but um, you know, it is four months in the making, all told, you know, part-time, but um, still we started, you know, with the new year and, and didn't get it out until like mid-April. Um, so I can't say, I can't say we were actively working on it that entire time, but you know, it, it, it's non-trivial. What was like the, uh, the most interesting thing that you learned throughout this process that maybe you didn't expect or know before, before you guys worked on this? You can do some like pretty simple simulations, uh, just like of like uh, what we call a geometric Brownian motion model, right? Uh, and it comes out looking a lot like the charts for price. <laughs> um, you know, it's just completely random, and uh, it, it comes out looking pretty cool and pretty sick. So I, I've always been a sucker for like pretty plots and kind of you know like it was it was cool to kind of be able to spin that up using simulated data not that not with like with, without a ton of difficulty right like what if something could you like simulate something like the the abrupt shutdown of the coal power plants in china that happened a couple of weeks ago and obviously had a, a shock to that and then network hash rate for for a little bit yeah so our model for for network hash rate was uh like i mentioned just like entirely deterministic based on price so it didn't really incorporate these kind of like big black swan events um but things like, you know, price plummeting 20% overnight, like we did a lot of simulations and a lot of them came out that way. Uh, and that was, that was kind of cool. Um, just that, you know, there's so many, like, it's very hard to predict things, but it's not that hard to like actually just model them. Um, and there's the, you know, the, 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 the saying among statisticians, like, like all models are wrong, but some models are useful. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it's not, <sighs> I guess it doesn't seem terribly difficult to make a, a model that's, you know, at least partially useful. It's better. It's better than nothing. So that was, that was kind of cool. Yeah. Like if so how, how would this, these models be useful, right? Like you model it out and then as your operations going, you just see where hash rate and price are. And based off that, at any given time, look at the model, like, all right, we're above the profitability, mo uh, profitability levels of what the models laid out for us. Once you dip below that, like, all right, let's turn off maybe just it enables quicker reaction times yeah no totally and i mean like i think you know there needs to be a human in the loop on all of this stuff uh, at least for the way we have it set up but um just whenever you're at an inflection point and you're thinking about scaling up your operation or scaling it down what we want people to do is to just you know take a look at this model put it in what you think like it's just the supports for the model. We're not asking you to like get prices, 
today, tomorrow, whatever. Just do you think directionally we're going up and do you think volatility is going to stay the same-ish or do you think directionally we're going down and volatility is going to you know, skyrocket as well or anywhere in between? Uh, we just want people to put that in, take a look and you know, see how their operation does. And you know, maybe that'll inform a decision. And, and you probably already know, right? Like if price is going up and I'm making money today, I'm probably going to be making money tomorrow as well. Um, but it's just another tool to kind of inform yourself to see are the decisions I'm making rational? Are they right? Can I afford to open up in a bear market? You know, because a lot of the, a lot of the time, like miners will continue to be profitable if price goes down quite a bit from here. Um, so, you know, especially for for those kind of decision making processes, like that's where we see this fitting in. Yeah, yeah, especially if your electricity cost is low, you can definitely survive some downward volatility. And like, what's fascinating here is it just, for me at least, highlights the continued maturation of the Bitcoin network and the Bitcoin mining industry more specifically overall. Like these tools are exactly what you want to see come to market so that businesses can make decisions about profitability and expansion or uh, curtailing expansion. And this is actually fascinating because I've recorded a podcast that I posted uh, this morning for Great American Mining with uh, someone on our team who works on oil fields and has in the past and has worked closely with their business decision-making teams about whether or not they should drill new wells. And um, depending on the, the amount of gas and oil that comes out of the ground and the BTU content and uh, pipeline infrastructure and blah, 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 all the variables that go into that particular asset extraction and delivery uh, business. And it's very similar. Like the, at the business side, they're running these Monte Carlo um simulations uh, based on how many barrels of oil they can get out of the ground, how they can get it to market, what the price of a barrel of oil will be, what the price of natural gas will be at the given any given point in time. And so you have very dedicated and um, dedicated teams in other industries just simply that are running these types of analyses. And it's beautiful that yourself, Leo and Jack brought this model to the Bitcoin mining industry because it's something that was lacking and now you can, can equip uh, businesses with with the ability to do this stuff, create teams around this stuff and actually make smarter business decisions because that's one thing, like mining's been hailed as the wild west, just like everybody's shooting from their hip and it seems like the, the industry at large is getting smarter and smarter at a very quick pace too. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. I um, yeah, I mean, Bitcoin, Bitcoin's like, you know, a real commodity now. <laughs> like, it's kind of crazy. It's a little scary. But uh, I think by and large, like, I've been pushing for transparency for a little bit now. Um, just at CM, that was kind of my 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 big push was just uh, trying to find ways to discover patterns that kind of make, you know, things that used to be opaque and weird and, and, and foggy, less foggy. Uh, and I think one of the best ways to do that is to just, you know, build open source tools. I, I think it's just, um, it's almost our prerogative as Bitcoiners and as people who kind of like want to see this thing succeed, you really, you just, you just kind of have to have to open source the stuff you build. <laughs> um, so, you know, hoping to continue to do that, uh, to kind of put out some cool content and, uh, uh, stuff that, you know, isn't, is just free to use and, and, and helps the space. Yeah. It's beautiful. And if you want to work with me on that, we're hiring over Galaxy. So um, join our research team. Get it. Get the shills in. We're going to talk about Galaxy. Got it. Got it. Staying on the model, 
like how do you see this evolving over time like especially as derivatives products for for miners particularly come to market hash rate derivatives better more uh price uh, options and, and futures options out there could you start working that stuff into the model do you think you know, I don't think we've thought about like hash rate derivatives and, and their space in the model. I, I'm personally hugely bullish on the space they're going to continue to, they're, they're going to start to fill in, in the uh, in the industry. Um, I, I think hash rate derivatives are, are going to be the next big thing. I, I don't really see a world in which they're not, especially as we kind of start to see these like exchange-based hash rate derivatives take off um, or exchange-traded hash rate derivatives. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they, they definitely like do change the equation pretty substantially, right? Like if a miner is in a contract with um, like a buyer of their hash rate for an extended period of time, they can operate under conditions that would otherwise be unprofitable. And the, the contract buyer is locked in, right? Like they, they have to pay for legal reasons, for, you know, exchange mechanical reasons, or just like, you know, because otherwise they'll get margin called, something like that. Um, doesn't, it really doesn't matter. Like, like the miner is getting their money. They're going to continue to mine. <laughs> the buyer has to buy. Uh, so yeah, maybe reaction times go up even maybe, maybe they go down just because you have a much more liquid market and miners can kind of like hedge out and, and act more nimbly. But, um, I, I think that's pretty exciting. Uh, yeah, how do you, yeah. see, how do you see the hash rate market evolving particularly and how these contracts are delivered? Like, are you bullish on hash rate tokens, spot hash rate exchanges? Uh, I have my own thoughts of how this may play out but interested to hear yours yeah i um i i've i've thought a little bit about hash rate tokens i've thought a little bit about um you know uh hash rate derivatives in general uh i put out a piece with galaxy on hash rate tokens and kind of the, the thing is like right now generally they're pretty overhyped like they you know this is not this does not constitute an offer to buy or sell securities or whatever and this is just me talking this isn't this isn't the views of galaxy but um like the fact is there's there's hash rate derivatives or hash rate tokens right now that are trading with a 45 year payback period. If that sounds reasonable to you, so be it, but it, it just doesn't to me. Um, yeah, the whole, I mean, I agree with you. The, the token model of delivering hash rate does not make sense to me, right? Because you can't guarantee that the miner will actually deliver the hash rate, number one. Yeah, and fundamentally that makes them unscalable, right? Because like, like, who's going to lock themselves into a contract to like issue hash rate forever. And, and really the only, it, it leaves them with two options in the long run. They have to either buy back those tokens or default. Um, Cause nobody's going to be, you know, like nothing lasts forever. Uh, so it's, it's kind of to me a little bizarre. Um, I am bullish on hash rate derivatives generally. I think we're going to see like basically mirrors of the, of the traditional financial markets on it. I, I think we're going to see like, you know, options swaps, whatever uh i think they're really cool because they have cash flows so yeah right like it and like the token is just that model leads to inherent mispricing because you have retail really doesn't understand the market fomoing into a token with an associated value to it as well and it's like eh, i don't know if that's the yeah way out. but people like, do love tokens though is the right. thing <laughs> um yeah yeah. And yeah. So the, like, how would you see a spot market developing around this? Like what would that relationship between the miner and the, the purchaser, the, the hash rate look like and how would the delivery play out in your mind? 
Yeah. So um, I think, you know, we're going to, we're going to see markets. I, I think it's an important clarifying point here. When I talk about hash rate derivatives, I'm, and I know you're thinking of it the same way. I just wanted to kind of level set. Um, like I'm talking about uh, derivatives on the value of an individual's hash rate, not derivatives on the network hash rate. Uh, there's these like network hash rate derivatives, most famously launched by FTX, and I believe shuttered actually last month, um, just for lack of trading volume. Uh, and you know those just aren't exciting because in the long run, network hash rate just kind of goes up, uh, and it can't be used to hedge out uh, mining risk, um, just because like it, the 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 relationship between hash rate, network hash rate, and price on the value of your hash rate is, is multiplicative, not additive. So you can't combine those two to, to kind of like uh, try to hedge out any risk that you might have as a miner. So I, I'm not too excited about those, but when I talk about like, like hash rate derivatives, um, I think the majority of the market is gonna settle on like, uh, you know, synthetic delivery. Um, so just these like cash settled derivatives that, um, you know, uh, you can trade on leverage, you can kind of do all the cool stuff that like derivatives do when they're cash settled. Uh, but what I find most exciting is is actually like the, the physically delivered hash rate futures, hash rate swaps, etc., where um, a miner will actually like route their hash rate through, you know, a hypothetical exchange that is is kind of facilitating all of this. And um, like the buyer gets to route it to whatever mining pool they want. Um, and then gets the, the the revenues from that. It gets even more exciting when you kind of start thinking about Stratum V2, uh, which I'm hugely bullish on, uh, which lets you uh, kind of order your own block templates, or sorry, it lets you order your own transactions um, and form your own block templates. So you can select which transactions you want to include in the block. Right now, if I'm a frequent transactor, uh, let's say a large exchange, I'm could potentially be interested in kind of buying some of these as a hedge to make sure that I can like settle transactions smoothly and easily, uh, even if like, you know, fees go up a lot or even if like, you know, problems happen on the network, there's there's some sort of disturbance. Um, and I, I think that's super, super exciting. Yeah, we saw um, Cash App over the weekend send out a, a new notice on their app, like, hey, network con congestion is pretty high right now. We're going to limit users to i believe one on-chain transaction a day because they cover the fees so something like this would certainly uh, allow them to facilitate like a smoother process on their end i would imagine and then you get into like fee fee rate market derivatives and, and stuff like that and you can get some pretty uh, intricate hedging strategies and, and planning strategies from large businesses miners again the, the maturation and development of these financial primitives is pretty exciting to see and it's going to be pretty necessary if Bitcoin is going to be uh, the network that we think it's going to be and it should be. Um, so seeing this stuff is extremely bullish. Yeah, no, I mean, fee swaps are super cool too. And and it's, it's just, um, we've already seen like informal markets for these kind of things evolve, uh, specifically around like out of band payments mm -hmm. uh, where like someone will, you know, uh, some some of the, some of the mining pools you can actually just like I don't know what exactly I think they take PayPal I was gonna say you can just bend like a credit card or something to get your fee, yeah your transaction included yeah and you get your transaction included uh, and that's not included on chain I think that's like a a way worse way to do things than these um, derivatives just kind of like it's opaque it's iffy um, 
so I, I'm kind of excited to kind of see it move toward a more more auditable, more like, okay, this is what's happening. These are the transactions that are getting included. Like the blockchain is the canonical source of truth kind of situation. Yeah. Yeah, you're not depending on some pool operator to get a credit card payment and be like, all right, now I'll include your transaction. Um, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And like, so yeah, like paying upfront for fees, like using these hash rate or fee derivatives, like giving a miner some Bitcoin upfront to guarantee inclusion in a block at some point in the future when fees are higher, all this stuff is, is crazy interesting. And again, comparing it to other commodities businesses, let's focus on oil and gas specifically because that's near and dear to my heart, obviously. Like they, we mentioned that they have these business planning teams running these Monte Carlo simulations to determine whether or not they should drill wells, but they also have these teams that are dedicated to hedging and the hedging strategies of the oil price and the commodity price risk that they take on when they when they embark on these drilling endeavors. And so like it's it's all coming again. Like these are some of the boring even though we may not find them boring, but uh, some of the boring details and market structure uh, infrastructure that's coming together on the back end that most people are not talking about is doge pumps, is everything else pumps. It's uh, uh, everybody's caught by the siren calls of shit coins right now, but in the back, like all this really important and integral financial infrastructure is is coming to market and it's beautiful because it's leveraging Bitcoin's native properties too. Like you just mentioned, you want to use Bitcoin canonical ledger as, as the, the source of, of objective ultimate truth for, for these contracts. And it's beautiful that we could do it. It's really cool. There's so much, I mean, there's just so much like cool stuff happening on, on Bitcoin right now. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think like, like new ways to model, uh, I mean, just just thinking of it this way, right? You can't you can't have a sophisticated operation without sophisticated financial modeling. It, it just makes it much harder. You 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 have way worse decision making capabilities. You don't get that kind of like insight into the different circumstances and what could happen. Um, and and of course, I'm talking about like mining modeling, the way that like the tools that uh, uh, me and Leo built out and and and, uh, and Jack, but like. Um, I'm also talking about like things like risk modeling, right? Like, like so few miners know um, kind of what their sensitivities are to like different uh, uh, conditions. Um, you know, even excluding Monte Carlo, like like how low can the price go before you go under, right? Like just stuff like that. Uh, and and there are tons of miners who do know that, but but you know, there's tons of people who are just like plugging in machines and like and don't. Uh, <laughs> wing in a prayer he's like oh, i'll just plug this in yeah price is going so <laughs> stable 13 cent kilowatt hour electricity cost oh we'll be fine yeah man i mean it works when the price is going up right uh well that's what leads me back to like one of leo's earlier pieces too like is this cyclical you know like Obviously, it has been cyclical up to this point. Probably will remain. But like, will the we have these conversations with price all the time, and probably naturally ties to to the mining stuff too. But will the uh, depth of the cycle be the same? Like, particularly thinking about Leo. Like right now, manufacturers have all the leverage. People are FOMOing into mi mining. Price is eventually going to hit a crescendo at some point in the future. 
not going to pinpoint exactly when, but when that happens, more and more newcomers are going to FOMO into mining. Uh, and then you have a crash. But again, going back to the types of players moving in, like, does it, is that crash as, as pronounced as it has been in the past? I'm just ranting here. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm with it. Like, market cycles are, are pretty real, right? And right now we're like, going up. I, I I don't know about if any of the stuff associated with market cycles that some Bitcoiners say is real is real, but like, you know, sometimes price goes down for a while and sometimes it goes, it goes up. Um, and when price is going down, like, like plug it in and see what happens. Like that's not, you know, really the best strategy to adopt. Um, so. Was that a slight towards stock to flow? <laughs> might've been, it might've been, <laughs> it might not have been. So <laughs> I, I declined to more than I. <laughs> what uh what else are you, you cooking up let's talk more about galaxy what what's the intention behind the research arm i mean you've got some really good bitcoiners in the space i met with uh drew and aj from the mining team while i was in austin last week we had a really good conversation um but seeing alex come over from fidelity to build out the research team you're the first hire my ears are perked two very good bitcoiners very smart bitcoiners you guys have added a lot to the space in many aspects i mean your research uh has been incredible since you started putting it out for coin metrics what do you guys have planned what, what are you going to focus on in the mining specifically a little bit of everything uh what's the intention is your research going to be aimed at institutional investors looking to make decisions or just get the general public at large better insight into what's going on in bitcoin yeah so i mean like um like you mentioned right now the team is just me and alex right uh and we are going to be covering everything uh that we or our clients are interested in uh, we have a lot of interest you know it's a it's a big industry uh it's a big space and and there's a lot of stuff going on that i think is, is really really exciting um so yeah we're gonna be i mean we're definitely gonna be putting out a ton of mining content just um galaxy does have a mining desk uh run by amanda fab uh and we're also going to be covering like yeah um we're also going to be covering like a ton of other stuff um so hopefully you know we'll see some content out of there on on lending definitely on the markets um and you know one thing that i kind of talked about uh a little bit in public uh is that you know galaxy hasn't actually put out like an article yet on like why bitcoin and why bitcoin matters um and so me and alex are, are gearing up to write that one because i i think yeah, I mean, I think we just kind of need to, you know, lay out our case. So, can we get a preview to what your case is going to be? What you guys are thinking about? You dive into usage stats. What's going on around the world? Yeah, I mean, I will say it's pretty stats heavy. Um, just given my background and, and given um, Alex's background as, you know, a pretty solid like on-chain data guy, uh, investor in coin metrics, you know, big early data player in the space. Um, so. Uh, definitely going to have a lot of that where, you know, we're going to kind of touch on like how the world is changing, you know, declining trust in institutions, things like that. Uh, and I promise it's going to be good. So. Okay. You heard it here first. It's a promise. It's going to be good. It's a promise. When's it gonna um, be released? That's the, uh, that's the other hard question. Is it soon TM research piece or? Soon TM, soon TM. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'd be lying if I said I'd written a word of it yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Uh, Some uh, soonish TM. We'll say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm also excited to be working on. Um, you know, I, 
it's been a minute since I've done anything deep, deep on nonce analysis. Um, but that's still where I cut my teeth and I'm, I'm pretty stoked. Um, Galaxy is going to be putting out some pretty good nonce analysis content. Yeah, that's why we, that's what we discussed the first time you were on. Gosh, when was that? Was that pre-COVID? Post-COVID? During COVID? This time? I think, so I started at, I started at CoinMetrics in early May. So I think it was around then. Yeah, it had to be. Yeah. Because I think it was your first uh, State right. of the Union or whatever the, the weekly newsletter is. What? Yeah. Yeah, it was my first state of the network. Um, yeah, network, yes, my bad. Yeah, that came out. So that came out like early May. Yeah, I, I crazy man, time flies, especially when you're like bunkering down. <laughs> so you, you had just moved to LA, or we're about to move to LA when we talked. And now you're in New York already. Yeah, I'm back in New York. I, I lived in Puerto Rico for a minute. That was kind of wild. Awesome. Uh, Shout out, yeah! Shout out to Puerto Rico. It was, it was, it was pretty sick. Where were um, you down there? I was in San Juan. Um, really, really awesome place. Honestly, cannot recommend it highly enough. I did get dengue fever. I got, I got bitten by a mosquito and just got like super <laughs> sick. Was so that, that part was awful. Like, uh, terrible, man. Terrible. <laughs> but we, we're, we're out here. Uh, we are a okay, and um, we're out in New York where the mosquitoes are, you know, nice and friendly. So I'm not gonna give you fever dreams. <laughs> yeah. That, what was like the biggest side effect of that? Just like cold sweats all day. Yeah, I had a, I had a pretty high fever. Uh, that was, a, that was a young, and, and like the back of your eyes just kills you. It just hurts so much. Really. Um, but yeah, no, you know, we made it out. It's um, <laughs> it's uh, it's in the past now. So um, I'm just gonna wear bug spray like every day for the rest of my life from <laughs> now on, pretty much. Would you rather get dengue fever or COVID? Toughy, toughy. Uh, I I was rooting for Zika the whole time. I was like, yeah, I was waiting for my test results to get back. I was like, okay, fingers crossed, you know, <laughs> like, like praying it's Zika. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, it's crazy, man. Be careful. The mosquitoes, they'll get you. They'll get you. They'll get you. And they're after your Bitcoin, too, I swear. <laughs> that's what you want for and your Bitcoin. Now, that's what, uh, yeah. down in Austin, it's just in Austin for two weeks. They have massive mosquitoes down there. Like, massive. Like, this big is, uh, that's crazy. Freaks listening right now can't see how this big is. I'm holding my hands up. I'm pretty big. Uh, but yeah. Did you see the bats? Did not see the bats. I heard a lot about the bats and I walked over the bridge where the bats, fly under or fly from during sunset but i wasn't able to catch it maybe well i think uh, i think we'll be spending a lot more time there come fall so hopefully when i get back we'll we'll be able to check it all out next time man austin's austin's awesome yeah uh great vibe down there a lot of quality bitcoiners and the food food is pretty dope too yeah shout like out. it god shout out like taco joint in loro the places i frequented most when i was down there yeah no austin tacos very very good very good yeah um before we wrap up here like what else are you looking at at the bitcoin world right now what's interesting you what's what's catching your catching your attention what are you what are you following outside of the mining stuff and your why bitcoin piece anything catching you by surprise that you think people aren't talking about or aren't as heavily focused on right now yeah, I mean, I'm always interested in like lending markets. Um, that's something that, you know, I've kind of been following a little bit on the side and, and haven't really gotten the, the chance to, to put out anything deep on. One, one thing that I've always kind of just been curious about in, in both traditional finance and Bitcoin 
is like trying to gauge like how much leverage is in the system um and you know like a, a formalizable and kind of like like repeatable way um it's hard it's hard and and frankly like because it's not like my my deep deep focus area um it's just kind of hard to make you know like sense of anything that's going on um but i think it's really important and i think kind of when we see these like huge drawdowns uh like we saw over over last weekend um that are that are kind of like very clearly there's a role played here by leverage um you know it, it's making everything a little bit more severe uh it becomes a really important question and and, and you know I, I touched on risk modeling earlier but like all of that stuff like becomes so so much important when you're in a highly levered system where where you know the the run-ups can be massive but so can so can the so can the drops yeah it was really interesting yesterday i took a nap and the price fell from like 52 to 47 then slingshotted back up overnight where we're sitting at like 54 right now i have no idea to be honest like i i, I couldn't i couldn't even tell you like the left digit let alone the right one <laughs> <laughs> but it is yeah it is those especially over the weekend um like those cascading margin calls it seems at least that leading to these big red candles that then get slingshotted back. Uh, it's very interesting how that happens. It shows that there's a lot of leverage, at least to me, this is what it last night showed that there was a significant amount of leverage uh, that got taken off the table. And then there's a little significant amount of buyers as well, waiting, yeah. waiting in the, uh, the depths of, of those price drawdowns to, to scoop up some sats. All right, man. 75 by the end of the podcast. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see where we are. We got Clark's dashboard here. Yeah, we're fifty three nine forty. I can live with that. Yeah, I can too. Yeah, we we have been in this like weird range, right? Yeah, no, it's um, it's a trip for sure. But yeah, I mean, beyond that, like, look, I'm um, uh, really focused on building out the team in Galaxy. Like, uh, it's just me and Alex for now. But it, we really don't want it to stay just me and Alex because then you know, we have to do twice as much work. <laughs> so, uh, uh, you know, we're looking to hire like crazy and, um, I am going to continue to use your, your podcast as a platform to show that. <laughs> what, uh, how big do you guys want the team to get? Uh, you know, we're looking to add on like what, like three ish people. Now we want people with experience in finance, especially. Um, but you know, anybody just like shoot me, shoot me a message on Twitter and like, uh, let's talk. If you're, if you're smart, you love Bitcoin, like, um, I'm definitely open to having a conversation. So at Kareem help me. Right? You know it. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Marty Bet knows my handle. <laughs> oh, stop it, Kareem. <laughs> Stuff I have to remember is my job as an interviewer. Thank you for and Leo and Jack for putting together this piece again. I mean, I talked to Leo about it. I wanted him to be on this conversation with us, but he said no. I'm gonna drop another piece that I'm working on, then then I'll come on, I'll talk. I said, okay. Damn. All right. I haven't heard about that one yet. So I might be giving sorry, Leo, if I'm giving away some <laughs> no, no uh no information on the actual content of the piece. So I'll be waiting for that with bated breath, Leo, if you're listening, and then we can talk about it. But yeah, no, again, like very exciting to see you guys put this out because it proves the maturation of the industry, these tools that uh exist in similar markets, commodities markets, particularly in the mining industries, whether you're mining for oil and gas, obviously it's not 
technically mining or extracting these things, but these models that business analysts can run to just make business decisions about whether to expand or contract operations. Uh, and then again, on the, the futures derivative side, that's starting to mature. You're, you're seeing it all come together, uh, which is a beautiful thing to see. And, and open source tools like the ones that you guys build are, are massive. I mean, I know we've tried, I mean, we have built these, these models internally um, as well at Grand American Mining, but uh, open sourcing yours and being able to iterate on that with a bunch of other industry players is going to be massive for the space. So thank you. Thanks so much, Marty. Yeah, I, I do just think of it as kind of like raising the floor. Like everybody has these like in-house models that they use, but we want to make it as easy as possible. And, and you know, it's a simple thing, but um, doing what we can. Yeah. Well, shout out to you. Uh, we will link to Kareem Help Me in the show notes. Obviously, we'll link to uh, the Intelligent Bitcoin Miner Part 2 and Kareem. If you have anything else you want to link me to or me to link the freaks to, more importantly, I'll, uh, I'll include that in the show notes too. So. Now you got it, man. Thanks so much. Um, and, and thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. Welcome back to the East Coast. It's good to have you on the East, Eastern time zone again. Sorry, I uh, rescheduled this like four times today. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still in a mental haze after the Austin trip, trying to get uh, all my computers back on Eastern time zone. Um, yeah, that's all we got this week, freaks. Peace and love.